Gentlemen, how are you going? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. What I want to talk to you about this week, Dan, is I'm calling a healthcare team as a service. So a group of healthcare providers uh, that you need personalized to your needs. So for example, maybe you need a regular dentist, you need a GP, a dietitian, a personal trainer, and a physiotherapist. I mean, you can think of all the different niches. Say you need those sort of five or six regularly. Then you meet with them as a group, right? On a regular basis. Maybe it's fortnightly, maybe it's monthly, right? And you have like maybe a video conf with them and you pay a subscription that is access to your team as a service, your medical team, right? And they're constantly monitoring your vitals, whatever. Every time you have a health concern, you can send a message and it goes to the group, like a group chat almost and with a video for, for a healthcare service team. And the model is you pay a subscription for access to that. That's the general idea. I want to hear the immediate thoughts off your brain. What do you think? Yeah, well, my immediate thoughts were, well, I already have all of these people, but I have them individually. And so what's the difference here? But I think as you started talking through, I think the advantage is that instead of having to make five, six, seven appointments, whatever, you're making one appointment and seeing them all at once. And, and I suppose there's also the the crossover as well. A dietitian and a personal trainer, there's going to be links there. Whereas if you were to see them separately, you're going to have to remember what they've said or there's going to have to be some kind of referral or some kind of communication between the two so that they're proposing the same kind of treatment or the same kind of diet or whatever it might be. Uh, yeah, I, I like it. Healthcare teams are so geez, Everything is a service these days, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Everything is a service. So life is a service. So basically, yeah, correct. The cross-pollination of the medical um, and it allows them to work together with their collective knowledge as a team to solve your problems. And they're not working in isolation. So I think that's more effective. You know, when you're doing a project in the corporate world, at least, you want a team, you want collaboration, you want unique ideas and you want a diversity of people solving your problem. And I was reading into something about Plato. And Socrates. Socrates, yes. Yeah. Socrates, Plato, then Aristotle. And I was reading about them and like why they were successful, right? And so Aristotle was arguably the more famous one. And he had a lot of different interests. So he would go into, he was a bit of a polymath. So he would go and do music and then he would go do art. Then he would go do some random thing over here. And you know that same story from like, you know, Leonardo da Vinci or think about, and Elon Musk is like a modern day example, right? They're in these different fields, right? So what they're talking about is like going into different industries and having different interests actually what creates original thought. I was even reading about Richard Feynman, right? The guy that basically had the first thought bubble about nanotechnology, right? He had like all this range of different interests as well. I was was looking at where do ideas come from, right? And it comes from diversity of thought, diversity of industries. It rarely actually comes from the subject matter expert purely. So that diverse thinking and that the challenging of, say, the personal trainer to the GP, right, then they're working collaboratively. I feel like that's going to spark much better ideas and they're going to solve your problems. Yeah, I think it's a good point. But I think if I could summarize what you're trying to say here, so people who come up with lots of different ideas across different industries are geniuses, right? And so... That means that you and I, we're in the same field as Da Vinci, Socrates, Aristotle. That's what you're saying, right? That's what I'm taking from this conversation. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I, mean, I guess so. Maybe you, Dan, I'm not, I'm not a genius. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just, I guess that was a long-winded way of saying that diversity of thought is how you get the most effective ideas. So let's talk about the desirability of this healthcare team as a service. So according to the World Bank, as of 2021, approximately 93% of the global population had access to essential healthcare services, right? So we don't really need to talk about why people want or need healthcare. The clear problems are people don't like being in pain and people don't want to die. Yeah. Can't, can't really argue that, right? So 
I think the other thing about this is it has some other sort of feature benefit, which it's not that whole treating of illnesses. I'm not talking about going to them when you have a problem. I'm talking about working with them on an ongoing basis with this new movement. I'm not sure if you really cross it, but it's sort of thing emerging, which is preventative healthcare. It's not about, you know, cause and effect, you know, I've got something wrong. You go to the doctor, they treat your problem specifically. It's like you're working with them on an ongoing basis, telling them about every little problem you've got. Oh, I'm going to tweak in my shoulder, like, you know, and then, you know, I got this little, you know, I got this reaction when I had this food or whatever. It's like you tell them everything and then all the information you give them obviously gets stored in like a secure location that isn't, you know, run by the government, like the current Australian and UK systems. <laughs> Um, so no one has access to your data. It's another key little point there. And yeah, so they're preventing your future health problems rather than solving them as they come along. And then the other idea around that that I had is basically it's a long-term commitment. So a lot of people in the lucky countries around the world sometimes can have a doctor from birth to almost into their adulthood, into their end of life. So that's kind of the thing, but I think it's definitely not common, I don't think. I'm trying to say in, it might be for lucky people in lucky countries where you have the same doctor, so they have all the knowledge and they know about you and they know you, right? So the idea of this is that you have the same health team and they carry on with you from when you first sign up right through life. Yeah, the age of the doctor and the patient will determine that. But I think one of the points you might have missed in terms of desirability is, I said it early on, is the convenience of having everyone at once. People are time poor. And if you've got five or six different specialties that you kind of see on a regular basis, that's six different appointments. So not only the appointment, but the travel time. So I think having everything at once is from a time-saving perspective, that's a really good advantage. Missed that one. <laughs> so no, great point. Great point. <laughs> I definitely missed that one. I was too getting caught up in the the whole savant where ideas come from sort of thing. The, the other thing I was going to say around the proactive and the preventative side, I think that's a general trend of this reactive to proactive. The industry that I work in, you know, we're seeing that as well. And I think it's, it's probably, it's technology, I think that has made it possible to now analyze past behavior, analyze past data, and then predict or prevent rather than react. I think definitely there'd be demand here. 100%. 100%. And that basically covers the sort of viability. Is it a good idea? I think as well. I think that is sort of, you've just sort of summed that up perfectly as well. So apart from that, the feasibility, very possible. I think, you know, I think this would potentially have an online solution. Maybe you could start building some AI bots with, you know, your data, your healthcare data that can then recommend personalized to you. Then website, having like a video conferencing, all the text there, pretty easy. The only thing though, right, especially in countries like Australia or, or potentially the UK, I'm not sure the UK is a little bit different, but America probably not as well, but is the economics around actually doing this and, and paying, making sure the doctors are getting paid enough and paying their wages. I don't know. I'm not quite sure on the, this is what I wanted to discuss with you is I'm not sure on how the economics would work on this because you could use the healthcare system and it's like they, they bulk billing, but you know, they could see more clients potentially because they're just doing it more rapid fire i don't know yeah to be honest i don't know too much about the back end side of things there i mean i think at a straightforward level you've already mentioned it it's a subscription service so the patient pays a regular monthly weekly whatever fee but then the question i think you're asking is then how else is that subsidized through the government or through other um, means i think the fact that you said before that the data and everything is owned privately not by the government that might be a requirement for the government funding or uh, subsidizing so yeah, I don't know. You'd, I think you'd, you'd have to look at that. But I think the straightforward business model is, yeah, subscription model, patient pays, and then the doctors get paid. So, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, next best steps, right? Next best steps on this one is 
let's hire one doctor from every one of these sort of categories or one professional or a PT, a dietitian, a, I don't know, a cardiologist. Or There's probably a list, a long list of specialties and we get them all and then you'd have a salary ongoing for every one of them to have access and see how many clients they can take up. That's how I'd start this. Yeah. I mean, coordinating all the schedules. Are you talking about actually employing them basically on yeah. a yeah, short term basis? Them and it's like, this is your job. Pay their salary. Yeah. I think the step before that would probably be even just testing the demand. Would people would people actually like to see this kind of service where it's everyone all at once? So you've got six doctors or specialists on the screen or in person all at once, all discussing your medical history and future or whatever. Yeah, I think you'd want to test that uh, desirability yeah. side first. I think it would work. But I think there's still some, not challenges, but some things that you'd want to check off, I think, before you go and employ 15 doctors and paying them, yeah. what, 400 grand a year. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was probably jumping a little bit earlier. You definitely have to look at the legal things and you know, raise the money. Cool. All right. I want to end it there anyway, Dan. I've been talking too much and you revved me up. You told me you had a an amazing idea that you're really excited about. I don't want to hear what it is. Well, I'm borrowing from your crazy this week. I've, I've taken a, a sip of your inspirational juice and I'm, uh, I'm going a bit out there. Uh, probably actually your idea could work here too at some level. So let me set the scene first. It's 2.30 a.m. You're out of the club. Everyone's been drinking for at least six hours. Last drinks are being called because the bar's closing in 30 minutes. And after lining up for 25 minutes, you finally get your drink, you skull it, and then you walk outside with the hundreds and thousands of other patrons along the busy city night strip. So we're talking about the lockout laws. It is lockout, but I think it's around that three o'clock time, a lot of people will leave. And I think in some countries, it actually is a kick out law at that time as well. So there is no more drinks, it closes down. So what happens is you've got all these people on the street, all these drunk people on the street. For some reason, they don't want to leave. They just hang around. So what happens? You've got all these drunk young people on the street and you know what's inevitable. They're either looking for a fight or they accidentally run into someone and start a fight. <laughs> so my idea, 3 a.m. fight club, right? So it's inevitable they're going to fight, what? right? There's nothing right, There's man. nothing we can do about that. <laughs> 3 a.m. fight club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, look, okay, okay so it, go on. Tell me, they're, they're going to fight. Convince me. Yeah, they're going to fight anyway, right? They're going to fight anyway. There's lots of cops, lots of people getting injured, lots of people getting arrested. So let's just make it official, right? So at 2.30, we, we drop in a boxing ring or a cage, you know, since MMA is, is all the rage these days. We drop it on the main street and then people can pay to have a fight in front of a crowd. Boom. What do you think? <laughs> you, dr- you drop in the cage. You dr- yeah. That or like it, it's, on a truck or a, or a crane, like literally you, it's a temporary ring or a temporary cage. You back it up, you plant it on the main street or the main strip or whatever, or just off to the side. And it's like a center attraction. You drop it in at 3am and then what happens? What there? Do you have like yeah. a, a list of people or what happens? Yeah. So people can, people who want to fight, like we promote it. So people are aware that this is a thing. Maybe we've got, uh, we've got people handing out flyers although people probably aren't reading at three o'clock when they're drunk. But anyway, some way of noting or making people aware that this cage that's in the middle of the street is an open public fighting cage. So yeah, people will come up and they go, hey, I want to fight. And the person on the cage goes, all right, give us your details. That'll be 10 bucks. You're on in 10 minutes. So that, you have to pay to it. fight. Yeah. Well, this is, we got to make, we got to make money out of this. We can't just, we're not a charity here. Well, you'd be definitely, maybe you'd charge the spectator. I don't know about paying to fight. 
Immediate thoughts. I love it. Absolutely. And it's hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. And, but also actually, I'm guessing potentially viable and actually something that I can see working, to be honest with you. UFC is booming at the moment, one of the biggest growing sports currently. So, definitely see that. And I honestly just love this. <laughs> I think it's so funny, but also I've recently been to the Coliseum. This is what we're missing now. We're missing this just brutal, real, you know, caveman sort of, you know, brutal thing. And, and why can't we have a, it doesn't matter what gender you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter your background. Anyone can get in the ring. Yeah. It's a free for all. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh. Aside from the funniness, though, there, there is actually a reason for doing it because people are going to fight anyway. And when you kind of take away that illegality of it or you take away that kind of riskiness of it, it actually has the overall effect of reducing whatever that illegal activity is. There's some examples around the world. If we think about other industries, you know, think about drug legalization. So in places where they legalize certain drugs in small quantities or whatever, but it does generally lead to a reduction in uh, drug-related deaths for drag racing. And I'm pretty sure they've got it here in, in Adelaide, but there's all this illegal street racing. Um, but then they have a place where people can actually go. It's a racetrack and they can go and do their burnouts, go and do their racing and they do it legally, I suppose. And the other one's graffiti. And I've seen graffiti walls where it's a wall where they're free to go and do their graffiti instead of the shop front down the side. So I think this kind of concept of putting something in that is going to not legalize, but it's going to make it more official and, and more formal and it's, you know, it's monitored and all of that stuff. I think maybe it could lead to a reduction in fighting, in unsanctioned fighting, we'll call it, on the street. Uh, and obviously that helps with police presence. It helps not having to call out ambulance and other kind of medical personnel. So I think there is an actual really? overall benefit for this as well. Yeah, I actually really, I strongly agree with you. I actually really agree with it. I think that is definitely like the decriminalization of drugs is a really prime example of that as well. So I think that's beautifully said. I've always said to my mates that a lot of problems in the world would be solved if you could just fight someone. Yeah, like, well, sure. like if you could yeah. just well, in this just case, I agree. someone instead of yeah. <laughs> well, I'll uh, I'll take your word for it. I like to fight with words. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're a lover, not a fighter. Yeah. So I think desirability is pretty obvious. So what's what's the model here? What are you thinking? Yeah. So I reckon there's four or five ways you could get revenue from this to kind of cover off these costs. Firstly, I don't know exactly how much it's going to cost to ship in a boxing ring or a cage every night over the weekend. I'd say it's significant. It's in the thousands. So you want to be able to cover those costs. So I think from a revenue standpoint, yeah, let's make people pay. It might only be 10 bucks. Uh, it might be 20 bucks. Um, maybe it's prepaid if they know they're going to get into a fight later on. But yeah, I think you got to get some kind of revenue from the people who are taking advantage mm -hmm. of it. I think we could set up some real-time betting, probably crossing some ethical boundaries oh. there. But you could No, uh, that's a great idea. Yeah, with people who are kind of on the side in the live audience. That's brilliant. Yeah, I, I think that's actually probably the most viable model. Maybe that plus advertising. Yeah, there's betting. You could get the city or the council or even emergency services or law enforcement to actually sponsor or provide a grant. Obviously, this is going to help them. I wouldn't call it an attraction per se, but it's it's more on the other side in terms of reducing those incidents and reducing damage and all that stuff by all these drunk people being on the street, just walking around and with nothing to do. Um, I think a pretty easy one would be sponsors. So I think you can fairly easily get sponsors 
sponsors on board, um, probably locally, so the people in the in the immediate area. But you know, I thinking broader. I mean, could you televise this or could you live stream it? Yeah, I think there'd be yeah. different parts of the world where time difference works. So 3 a.m. here is you know 8 p.m. there, wherever that is. So you know, you could earn online revenue or sponsorship through through the online channels as well. So I, I reckon there's a there's a few ways you can make money off of this. No, definitely, definitely. It's like classic live show, pop up show. You know, the the buskers around the world these days are getting to a top tier level. It's almost like busking for fighting. Sure, uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, interesting one for you, Dan. Me and my mates used to always talk around the table. Where there was a meme that would always come up on on the internet. We'd see, and it would be it would be like Tinder for fighting, and it was called Rumbler. Oh yeah. <laughs> So like, like you swipe it. left or right on you, who you're going to fight. <laughs> I like it. So maybe we combine the two. Maybe people need to download the app and that's what gets them in, but they can choose who they want to fight. Yeah. You've got your profile. You've got, if you're available for a fight. Yeah. Great. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and what if we take it a step further? Your your idea of the pop-up crowd, right? It's the pop-up crowd. The, the ring gets dropped in and then everyone has the app and then everyone who wants to fight has the profile on the app and then everyone in the crowd can vote who they want to fight. And then the most yeah. voted people in go into the ring yeah i love it well that's also where you can do your betting you can do it all through the app yes oh yes do you know what? i just had another thought as well instead of mm. dropping in by a truck why don't we helicopter it in i think that would be way cooler <laughs> more money but that'd be way cooler that would be way that would be so that is just like a viral business <laughs> yeah like imagine you every, everyone's pouring out into the street and this helicopter with the lights kind of flashing down is just dropping a ring or a cage down in the middle of the street and then all these people are rushing towards like that'd be awesome that is insane and the social media content you generate just the organic reach you'd get immediately every time the ring is dropped and that like, people would come yeah. just running to see it i love that surprise element that you've brought into it it really is like quite an innovative usp yeah although if if you go out more than one night in a row or more than one weekend in a row you, you know you, you'll know but that's all right. Yeah. There's at least the, there's that initial surprise. And still, it'd be pretty cool to see a helicopter come in and drop it in every Saturday night. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. Any, what else? Is that the whole sort of analysis or? That's that's all I got. I think somebody should definitely run with this. If you know any, yeah. um, if you know any cop friends or anyone in law enforcement, get it out to them. Yeah, because we're reducing reducing crimes and king hits and deaths and everything. Yeah, we're, exactly. We're doing a public service. I, I'd, and, I'd and almost just, line up to fight, to be honest. Not you that would. I could fight, all right, well, yeah. Maybe you can try it. You can do the next best step. So in uh, in London, you can just bring like a little inflatable uh, boxing ring and just set it up at three o'clock and just see what happens. <laughs> oh, man. All right. I think we better leave it there. We're getting in some dangerous territory. <laughs> we are. We are, But I'm, I'm pretty sure we haven't crossed any ethical boundaries. We may have suggested that, but, but we're not doing it. So we're good. Yeah. <laughs> see you, Dan. <laughs> All right. See you, dude.